Welcome to the Neuropathy Support Group and Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm so glad you tuned in. It's my hope with this podcast to help all of us gather information that might help those that need support dealing with this debilitating issue. Hello, and welcome to this podcast. Before we get started, let's get the formalities out of the way with the medical and privacy disclaimer. I am not a doctor or medical professional. The information on this podcast is from personal experiences and is meant for group support. Additionally, the information discussed is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any underlying conditions associated with neuropathy. All names here within are private and will not be shared with any outside sources. Please consult your healthcare provider before making any health decisions. If you have medical concerns or an immediate emergency, please contact your doctor or dial 911. Well, how's everyone doing this week so far? Today's Thursday. I'm doing pretty well. Like I said, when uh, last episode, I was going to stop taking the re-equip again, and now my back's fine. I don't have no more uh, sciatic pain, so that's great. But um, I just want to come to you let you know I thank you very much for being part of this uh, podcast I know lately I've been flooding you guys with affiliates uh, companies that are are representing me I guess to I guess what I'm trying to do is help you guys however I can with products you know from other different companies that you can try to maybe you know in the long run, it might help you, and that's all I ask it, you know, and that's the way I'm going to be supported with any money coming in, because, you know, after a while, I've been doing this for two years, coming up on three, you know, at a point, you know, starting to cost money to have this podcast on once a week, so, you know, anything's going to help me, um, there's so many plans and things I want to do. You know, not only for myself, but for you. But, you know, it's really hard to do if I can get the income. You know, especially when you're only making, you know, money for disability. So, it can be difficult. And I'm getting through it, and I'm glad I'm able to do what I do. That was one thing that I was hoping for. That this would continue, and I haven't stopped yet. So, please, whatever you can do, I really, really would appreciate it very much. Well, on this week's topic, you know, it might not be something that's very important to you, but I'm going to be talking about the best and worst shoes for back pain. Now, I have back pain, and the reason why I do is because the six and seven vertebrae are are, um, rubbing against each other. There's no more liquid in between those, so that causes me some pain um, quite often, but um, I'm hoping that this episode here will help you with your back pain maybe in choosing a better pair of shoes that will work for you or stop using the ones that you have because they're the worst shoes so let's just jump right into this and find out back pain can be traced to plenty of sources maybe you're overexerting yourself perhaps you sit for most hours of the day or maybe you have an underlying disease that causes back pain if you've had back pain for more than a month Your pain is worsening over time, or you're developing new neurologic 
symptoms such as numbness or weakness in any part of your body, it is best to see your healthcare professional. But if you have been cleared your symptoms with your doctor or you want to give some common sense guidelines, they try first. It's worth considering whether you whether your footwear choices may be contributing to your back pain. Everyday Health, which is the um, website I'm getting all this information from, spoke with two New York-based podiatrists for their input on the best and worst shoes for back pain. Both doctors know what works best for one person won't necessarily work the same for another. For some people, for example, significantly in length differences can lead to problems that are exasperated by wearing the wrong shoes. But for many people, simply identifying shoes that fit well are adequately cushioned and provide the right kind of support is a step in the right direction. So what to look for when choosing a shoe? Shoes, sneakers, or other footwear should feel comfortable and not pinch or irritate any part of your foot, even when new. When you try on shoes, spend some time walking around in them and paying attention to how they feel. No matter how good they look, don't buy shoes that are too tight, too loose, unsupportive, or in any way uncomfortable. To raise your chances of finding a comfortable fit, here are some shoe characteristics to be looking for. So let's start off with the moderate heel length. So a doctor of podiatric medicine and an assistant clinical professor of orthopedics of Mount Sinai, shoes with a slight heel are the best. The fact that your heels are slightly elevated allows you to ankle to turn a little bit and rotate differently. A heel that's the same height as or lower than the toe of the shoe on the other hand, affects the way your leg and, in turn, your pelvis turns. That bend will affect your spine and lower back and cause back pain. So what qualifies as a slight heel? A doctor of podiatric medicine points out that the recommendation is something under two inches and never any, anything higher than that. Two-inch heels have, be have been shown to alleviate the pressure on your feet while walking. The ideal range is between one and two inches. Anything over that will not be kind to your back. While heel height is more typically a concern when it comes to women's shoes, the concept of the heel height as a positive applies to men as well. With that said, this doctor points out that most men's shoes are neutral in heel height, so the heel and toe are on the same level, and that men have a lower incidence of back pain than women. Alright, let's talk about cushioning and shock absorption. In addition to heel height, how well the shoe heels absorb shock is important to how your back feels. Some people strike the ground harder than others with their heel while walking, sending a shock up their legs and toward their backs. While it can be exasperated in those wearings of dress shoes. 
the same goes for rubber heels or wedge style shoes. So when it comes to running shoes, footwear with a lot, you need a lot of cushioning has become big among ultra marathoners and people with high arc foot type. Opting for a shoe with cushioning can provide extra shock absorption for runners, and so may be a good option for older runners. But rocker bottom shoes aren't for everyone, but they can be helpful in some situations. There's fixed soles that are curved up at the front and sometimes back of the shoe, and they enable the foot to move through normal walking motion with less pressure on the joints and on the bottom of the foot, generally. Rocker bottom soles are a common feature of therapeutic shoes prescribed to people with diabetes-related foot problems, and they've also become more common in some models of sneakers and walking shoes marketed to the general uh, public. So sandals with an arc support. Generally speaking, sandals with and flip-flops don't provide a lot of support, but special orthopedic-style sandals are an exception. These do provide proper amount of arch support. If you love sandals as daily footwear, podiatrists should be able to help you identify which types would be best for you. So here's some uh, shoes that you need to not be taking and ones that you should be avoiding. Beware of the negative heels. Non-orthopedic flip-flops, while not good for your feet, are acceptable for a quick walk down the block or at the beach, but they are rec aren't recommended all-day footwear, especially if you already experience back pain. The doctor explains that most flip-flops effectively lower your heel below your toes, creating a negative heel. Although, although this doctor notes that they do offer some cushion, she labels it as a false sense of cushioning because the sole of the flip-flop is typically not thick enough to absorb the shock of each step. House slippers present all the same issues as flip-flops, which the doctor refers to as the worst thing for your back. But of course, few people are wearing slippers while out and about. So as long as, as you're wearing slippers only in the house, you don't need to worry too much about them. The doctor cautions against anything that, that's a negative heel, that includes flat types of loafers, ballerina-type shoes with a very flat sole. These type of shoes will rotate your pelvis in a way that can worsen back pain. Here's the next topic, too hard and too soft, a problem. Keeping in mind that you want some shock absorption in your shoes, it's best to avoid footwear that's totally hard. Typically, dress shoes fall into this category thanks to their lack of cushion. Perhaps surprisingly problematic are shoes with a memory foam or an air cushion because they do not provide the right type of support along with their cushioning. However, these types of cushionings, when combined with a more supportive heel, aren't so bad for you. Minimal shoes usually not recommended.
minimalist shoes called sometimes called barefoot shoes because of their very thin soles are not good for your back those who already have back issues typically find these types of shoes do not help alleviate those problems and may cause some back pain again these shoes will rotate the pelvis differently than shoes with a thicker sole for what it's worth this doctor notes that when it comes to wearing minimalist shoes, it's up to each person to decide what's comfortable for them. Alright, next topic, casual sneakers can lack support. The doctor also singles out casual sneakers, such as the classic Converse Chuck Taylor All-Stars, as a prob problematic for being flat, narrow, and lacking support. The doctor does note that those uh, types of shoes were designed for feet in the 1950s, but she says were narrower than feet today. People have just gotten bigger. So where to find help in choosing your shoes? If you need more personalized shoe recommendations, the doctor recommends seeking out a podiatrist who is trained in biomechanics and who can identify issues such as gulp abnormalities. Both doctors noted that some shoe stores have trained staff who can make shoe recommendations based on foot size as well as measurements. But this doctor notes a podiatrist should be the starting point when it comes to addressing problems such as malignant, meaning asymmetrical alignment of the torso, pelvis, and extremities, which may result in pain or restrictive movement. But the doctor notes that, however, that many podiatrists focus on surgery, and he recommends that people needing help selecting shoes also also consider speaking to a pedorist. I heard that one. A P E D O R T H I S T is a professional with training on fitting therape therapeutic footwear and orthopedic devices. I always thought it was just the bike podiatrist that did all that. But this type of doctor specializes in using footwear. Keep in mind that if you're still having back pain in spite of wearing appropriate shoes, it may be time to investigate other reasons for your pain. Your primary, primary goal, doctor, is a good place to start to look for signs of medical problems that might be causing back pain and to examine what aspects of your life may be contributing to it and what changes you can make. So we have a little bit more time to um, take care of. So let's go into another topic that I can talk about that will kind of give you some um, help with your back pain. So what are the best home remedies for back pain? And this advice comes from a physical therapist. So the first thing that they recommend is egronomics. Throughout the day, the force of gravity is compressing us a little bit all day long our muscles have to push back up against gravity to maintain that vertic vertically. When, you're, when you were in one position for a long time, we're going to rely on that specific muscle group, and at some point, those muscles will start to fatigue. Agronomics is the science of arranging your workspace or the things you use in daily life to fit your needs and body, thereby making you more efficient and reducing discomfort. 
even though the deal ideal posture can be different for different people, there are some basic economic principles that generally apply to everyone. So here's a few. Make sure you're sitting deep enough in your chair so that your back can be supported by the back of the chair. Your chair should be low enough to the ground so that you can rest your feet comfortably on the ground, but not so low that your knees are higher than your hips. And for me, I always put my chair all the way up. Set your computer monitor at eye level so that you aren't slumping to get your gaze in line with your screen. And your forearms should be well supported on the armrest of the workstation and the armrest raised high enough that you can rest your elbows on them. Also, it says take breaks to change your position. The doctor or the physical therapist recommends getting up to walk around for a couple of minutes every 30 minutes. Or, if that's not, if that's not possible, every hour. Simply movement and changing your position can be helpful. It helps to set a reminder on your phone or desktop calendar that reminds you. Next is sleep is good medicine for your back. There is no one right way to sleep. For some people, it might be great to lie on their stomach, whereas other people do much better on the back with a pillow under their knees. If you think your sleeping position is causing your back pain, you may want to try another position or consult a health care professional. No matter what your sleep position, it's important that you are able to achieve some form of restorative uh, sleep. Next, exercise and movement can prevent and help relieve back pain. Generally, most types of physical activity are somewhat protective in terms of likelihood of developing back pain and also prognosis. If someone is habitually physically active, that seems to have more preventive benefit, and if back pain occurs, occurs, it helps someone get through it faster. So what kinds of exercise are good for your back pain? The physical therapist here says all types are good. Whether a person will benefit from specific strengthening exercises for the back depends on the person and the back pain. The expression, start low and go slow, applies when starting a new exercise. Your body has to adjust to the new movement. The first few times you do it, do an exercise, you're likely to experience some soreness and pains that you haven't before. Next is temporary pain relief, ice, heat, or both. Heat and ice both have a place in temporary relieving back pain. They're both going to help calm down that pain signal and help relax the nervous system a little bit. Normally with most injuries, we would cancel, uh, cancel ice early on during the acute phase of the injury. As a general recommendation, ice the painful area with a frozen wet towel or an ice pack. Keeping a towel or other cloth between your skin and the ice pack is to protect your skin. At least three times a day, don't apply ice for longer than 15 to 20 minutes at a time. Next is going to be stretching and foam rollers may improve back pain. If the primary issue causing back pain was limited motion and stiffness, 
it's likely that I would prescribe some stretching exercises. These could be done with a therapist or independently at home. Foam rollers can sometimes be helpful in relaxing a tight muscle, but it can be difficult to access the right spot with the lower back pain if you're trying to do it on your own. Next one is maintaining a health weight can help reduce back pain. If you're at a healthy weight, your muscles don't have to work as hard to support you against gravity. The muscles won't fatigue as quickly, and that would be helpful in pain. There's also less pressure on your back and other joints. Next, check with your doctor about over-the-counter medications. The physical therapist recommends that people with back pain reach out to their primary care physician to discuss how to safely take NSAIDs. NSAIDs used can increase the risk of severe or life-threatening uh, bleeding of the uh, gastrointestinal and ulcers in some people, and taking too much of these drugs can also lead to liver or kidney injury or failure. Next is to ad address back pain sooner, not later. If you have tried adaptions such as improving your work setup or adjusting your posture and don't have any improvement in pain within two to four weeks, you may want to seek a formal consultation with the healthcare provider. It's not a good idea to live with the pain too long. Physical therapists can easily and usually be more help if you come earlier in the pain during the pain episode. In the past, many doctors recommended bed rest for back pain, but that's no longer thought to be a good solution. There's nothing wrong with taking it easy for a day or two, but that's really the most that someone should be following any type of bed rest. After that, they need to try to introduce movement because that's so important in helping tissue heal. And there you go. So hopefully this will help you with your back pain. In my case, probably not because I have um, the two, six and seven, rubbing against each other. And the only thing that really helps with me is going in every three months to get a cortisone shot in between those, um, those discs in my back. So, But hopefully this will help for your, any of you out there that need um, some relief from your back pain. Sometimes those patches work too. If you put those on your back, they seemed to help me when I was first diagnosed with pain in my back. But again, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying the journey that we're all having together to learn more about neuropathy and all the other nerve issues that you may have. But again, until next week, I will talk to you again. Hey, don't forget, check out my affiliates. If you can support this podcast for me, it would be so much, so much help. There's so much more I want to do, and I want to get more involved in doing some live streams, and and I want this uh, podcast to really take off. So again, until next Monday, I will talk to you then. Bye. As we come to a close, it's my hope this podcast and other sources, such as product reviews that I have discussed today, can better our lives and give us some relief dealing with neuropathy. This episode plus others are posted every Monday on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And finally, whatever life throws at you, even if it hurts you, just be strong and fight through it. Remember, strong walls shake, but never collapse. Talk to you next Monday.